This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. Welcome in. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 595. Seriously, I hope things are great for you. I just watched Thursday Night Football. Let's talk about it. By the way, 595 episodes is a lot. I want to acknowledge that. We're five away from 600. That is a crazy amount of episodes. It feels baffling to me. It's like, wow, we've done this for a long time. Um, on Thursday Night Football, the Chicago Bears beat the Washington Commanders 40-20. to It was an awesome win to watch. It was great to see. I like watching the Chicago Bears do well. Uh, it's the Bears' first win of the year. They're now 1-4, and four, and it's actually the Bears' first win in about an entire calendar year. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's been a long time since they've had something good happen for them, and last week it kind of started. Remember week four, they had a lead and looked really good against Denver, but then they lost. Here, they finally put the whole thing together and won a football game, and I love to see that. Uh, Bears quarterback Justin Fields was 15 for 29 passing, had... 282 yards, four touchdowns passing. He also had 11 carries for 57 yards rushing. And here's the key, zero, no turnovers for Justin Fields. I find this game incredibly encouraging for Justin Fields. Uh, again, building off of a good day, good game from Sunday against Denver. And it feels like things are starting to click for Justin Fields in the NFL. He wasn't perfect. He had a throw to Darnell Mooney that could have been a touchdown where he was late, recognizing a ball got out late. It allowed a defender to make a play on the ball. I, it was arguable there could have been early contact, maybe pass interference called there. Either way, it should have been a touchdown without the need of a help from a call because it Justin Fields was late on that ball. Um, another thing worth acknowledging, a guy that they got in a trade this offseason, DJ Moore, the Bears traded their first overall pick uh, to trade down in the draft, get Carolina's pick for this year and uh, last year, and DJ Moore. And uh, Bears receiver DJ Moore just had his second good game in a row. A guy they traded for, a guy we were kind of all hoping would make a big impact. Finally, two weeks in a row now, so Sunday and now Thursday, four days apart, we've seen DJ Moore make a big impact. And he had an incredible game on Thursday night against Washington. Eight catches for 230 yards, three touchdowns. Really, really good stuff from DJ Moore. Beating men coverage, getting the ball from Justin. Uh, you love to see it. Now, it's worth noting there was no Chase Claypool in this game for the second game in a row. So Chase Claypool, the Bears wide receiver, basically was just told, uh, we don't want you here anymore. Don't show up. Uh, you know, we're sending you home. You're on a roster. Uh, I think they're going to try to trade him away at some point. But it doesn't feel like a coincidence that you get you, you don't have Chase Claypool involved, a guy who had attitude problems, a guy who had effort problems early on in the year. It doesn't feel like a coincidence that the Bears' offense is better without him. And it's worth noting, you know, Pittsburgh got rid of Chase Claypool. The Bears have now told him to stay home. This is a talented receiver with an attitude and effort problem. And uh, Chicago's clearly better off without Chase Claypool, which is kind of crazy because, again, he's, he's big, he's tall, he's physical. He's got all the tools to be a really good receiver, but he's getting in his own way. And uh, really the only place I can kind of imagine Chase Claypool reinvigorating uh, his his career. Kansas City comes to mind, a place where if you have a bad attitude in Kansas City, you're an idiot. You have a great opportunity to play with Patrick Mahomes, compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, I think that's a place where I think Chase Claypool could kind of gather the muster maybe 
to to fight a little bit and uh, to show up and not have a terrible attitude, not complain, not give no effort on blocking. You want to play with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and win a lot of games? Go to Kansas City and fight hard. And I think that's one of the few places Chase Claypool could show up and, and maybe make an impact and get what he needs, which is kind of a stern buck kicking and say, you got you to gotta deliver. Uh, but I think Chase Claypool in Kansas City would work. I do feel good about that. Um, there's other ideas out there, like Detroit could use a big number one receiver. I, I'm not sure where Chase Claypool's going to get traded to, but Kansas City comes to mind immediately as a team where I think that would work. It's one of the rare teams that I think could get the most out of him and uh, help him succeed. Maybe Miami, they love receivers there. Um, really, though, it, it does look like Justin Fields is making progress. He's beating man coverage. He's seeing the field really well. It makes me so happy. You know, Justin Fields is a player who is so obviously talented. And we saw that the first three games of the year, the Bears were 0-3. But I kept saying, like, can we be patient with Justin Fields? I know I, I was kind of ready to give up on the coaching staff. Um, now that things are going better, it's uh, we'll just see how things play out. But this is why I was preaching patience with Justin Fields. When you've got a player who's so talented and... The best of Justin Fields is really, really good. He can do stuff that other quarterbacks simply cannot do. So I think Justin Fields is starting to reach his potential. It's what it looks like two games in a row now, four days apart, Sunday, now Thursday. We're finally starting to see Justin Fields play at a high level, make good plays, execute on the offense. And uh, it's got to be incredibly encouraging if you are a Bears fan. Now let's talk about Washington. Um... Oddly enough, you know, they were down 23-7 to at halftime. Their offense did not look good in the first half. Still, uh, I'm, I'm surprised with myself in this, but I'm not that concerned about Washington's offense. They put up 20 points in this game, could have had more. They almost had a touchdown to De'Ami Brown. A ball went just off his fingers on a deep ball over the middle. Um, you know, Sam Howell, the young quarterback in Washington, he is growing. He is learning. There are good things he's doing. He had a bad play, an interception over the middle where he worked from left back across the middle of the field. He was late. Linebacker undercut the route, picked it off. Um, but Sam Howell was 37 for 51 passing, 388 yards, two touchdowns, that interception I talked about. I have patience with Washington's offense. Again, you got a young quarterback. You got a, a new offensive coordinator. I, I just don't think I'm ready to hit the panic button to freak out. They are scoring a lot of points. They're doing good stuff. Um they're three and they're two and three. They're not winning right now. But the real concern to me in Washington is the defense. Like, what is going on with Washington's defense? They're giving up a ton of points every single game. The defensive line is completely underwhelming. You know, the Bears were reshuffling their offensive line all night. Their center, Lucas Patrick, left the game in the middle of the second quarter with a concussion. So no starting center. You move Cody Whitehair from left guard to center. You put Tevin Jenkins at left guard. And still nothing from Washington's defensive line. Like, you lose your starting center, you're reshuffling the offensive line, and Washington's supposedly great defensive line still couldn't make an impact? That's a problem. And it's not a new thing. I've been watching. I've watched four of the five games Washington's played this year. Every single game I've been like, so what's going to happen with this defensive line? Are they going to figure it out? Are they going to start making an impact? Because I haven't seen it at all this year. And uh, they got four first-round picks on their defensive line. I'm told they're amazing. Not seeing it, man. And particularly, Chase Young, the defensive end. Montez Sweat isn't great either, but Chase Young, the defensive end, is 
starting to feel incredibly overrated. He's been injured a lot. He's not making plays. He's He had a couple good plays. I will give him credit to Chase Young. He had a couple nice plays where he, he kept contain on Justin Fields. He fought really hard to keep him in the pocket and not allow him to escape the pocket and run for yardage. That's good stuff, but they're not generating a pass rush with a four-man rush in Washington, and that's kind of what it felt like there was a promise of in Washington on their defensive line. That's a problem. And... I'm not sure what Ron Rivera is contributing, the head coach. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio's defense looks awful. I I just maintain I've got the concerns in Washington should not be about Sam Howell, Eric Bieniemy, and the offense. They could be better. I'm not saying they couldn't be. But you just gave up 40 points to Chicago, 37 to Buffalo. Points, points. You're just giving up tons of yards, tons of points. Uh, I am... Really, really disappointed with now some of the some of those points against Buffalo. You know their quarterback Sam Howell had four interceptions. I'm not. I, I just want to be clear. Like I am finding what's going on on defense in Washington really discouraging. They had a couple busted coverages where a safety didn't get over the top, and you allow an easy touchdown to DJ Moore. The real concern in Washington to me, Sam Howell is the focus. The offense is the focus, but the defense is the one that's really causing a lot of problems in. Washington. Now, uh, I want to re-say this, you know, restate this one more time. I'm just happy to see Chicago win. They're one and four, but um, they had a good game Sunday where they lost. They played better on Thursday. They won. It does feel like Chicago is building things slowly. I've criticized them heavily, but I've got, hey, you win? I'm patient. I'll wait. I'll, I'll see what you can do. And particularly, I love seeing Justin Fields play well. Everything in Chicago revolves around whether or not Justin Fields can play well. And uh, we're starting to see that. That's incredibly exciting for Chicago Bears fans and anyone who likes football because Justin Fields is so talented and has potential to be such a fun quarterback to watch week in and week out. And I'm just really glad to see him do some good stuff and heading in the right direction as a young quarterback. Uh, now, it's time to pay the bills, but instead of... We got to take a break. We got to take a short break. I got to play an ad. But instead of playing the bills, I really... You know, Chicago's now one. They're one and four. There's only one winless team left in the NFL. It's the 0-4 Carolina Panthers. So instead of paying the bills, we got to pay the Panthers. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. It is a Friday, and uh, I'm trying to make a thing where we have fun on Friday. Fun Fridays. However... Next week will be a fun Friday. Let me give you your task for next week. Next week, I want you to tell me your most embarrassing or awkward story or moment. Now, try to keep it short and concise, as short as you can. I know, like, you got to tell a story a little bit, but uh, please no novels. I'm not trying to read through four paragraphs. Um, In fact, if you write in too long, I'm not going to read it on the show. So succinct to the point, but tell me your most embarrassing or awkward story. I want to hear that for next week's show. I learned from last week. So we had Fun Friday last week, first one ever. I want to make Fun Friday a thing. However, I don't know that we can call today's episode Fun Friday. I think it's more of like a wholesome Friday because the question I asked last week, I asked you, what's your favorite object you own and why? And if I'm totally honest, I learned that I really need to ask a more, um, a question that allows an opportunity for fun and comedy. I think Fun Friday is better when the question can lead to a comedic answer. Um, These answers were amazing. You guys wrote in a lot of stuff, very wholesome. 
Um, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Real quick, I'll read. But I, I really want to, in the future, I'm going to start trying to ask questions that can lead to, like, fun and intriguing write-ins. Or sad. Like, I, is it weird? I want to hear about your guys' like breakups. Is that horrible? Like, I think that would be an interesting Friday. Call that Sad Friday. Um, but for now, let's go into Wholesome Friday. This guy wrote in and said, I like Fun Friday. Also, my favorite thing that I own is a purple bedazzled Gengar necklace. Gengar is my favorite Pokemon of all time, and I literally wear it every time I leave the house. It looks super clean, gives every outfit I wear an extra pop, and honestly gives me a confidence boost. That's awesome, man. I, I don't know Pokemon, like, at all. I really don't have any idea. Uh, what, I don't know what a, a Gengar is, but... Um, and I, I, for some reason, oh, you did say purple. I was imagining purple, but that's because you wrote purple in the writing. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a jewelry guy. I don't own any jewelry. I'd like the idea of a watch, but then I get it wet and I want a necklace or not a, bra- I want a bracelet, I guess I could wear and get wet with salt water and not get ruined, but that just doesn't exist. There isn't really anything you can wear 24 seven and get wet and not have it get like destroyed and ruined somehow. So yeah, not a jewelry guy, but I appreciate that you are. This guy writes in and says, my favorite thing I own is my laptop. I'm an aspiring author who uses it daily for my favorite hobby. And last year, I finally forked out out the money, forked over the money to buy a really nice one. So, um, dude, that's awesome. I know I use my laptop constantly for everything. I literally wouldn't be able to make a living without my laptop. It's so important to me. Um, And, uh, dude, that's awesome. I totally understand that. And there's no better feeling when you get this thing you've been saving money for, this amazing, I remember when I bought this laptop, I have got a MacBook Pro. It was like, oh man, it was such a rewarding moment to be like, I finally have a really capable, really nice laptop. It was awesome and it felt really good. This guy says, my favorite object I own is my bike. You can ride for fun. You can ride for exercise. You can ride to relax. It's a good way to feel free in your spare time. And unlike scrolling through social media or watching TV, I never regret riding my bike or feel like I wasted my time. Man, there is something to I, When I traveled around the country, as often as I could, I would get on a bike. Because I really think the coolest way to see a city, walking, when you walk around a city, it, it's a great way to get to know an area, but you can't get very far. It's just, you're so limited by your speed. When you drive around a city, you're not really engaging quite enough with the city and seeing enough and taking enough in. Riding a bike through a city is the happy medium. I rode a bike all through Bellingham uh, last summer, and what a great way to get to know that town. Bellingham, Washington, the bike, again, it's like you're on foot, so you're a little more present in the area, but you can go faster so you can really get around and see everything. And um, Oh, man, I just really, I understand that. And, and I, here's what I really like you said. When I've been struggling with mental health recently, I've been reminding myself, go outside, go for a walk. And whenever I'm kind of feeling aimless, I'm not sure what to do. I just go for a walk. I walk about six miles every day. And a similar feeling I have to you is that I never regret going for my walk. I'm always like, yeah, that was positive. My mental health is good. I saw some pretty stuff. I live in Hawaii, so it's probably different if you live in like Indiana. But there's something about being outside that is great. And and if you're ever unsure what to do, I don't think you'll ever regret being active or doing something physical. It's just really good for you. And I heard someone, the guy who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a the the F word book, um, Mark Manson one time said like, there's this amazing drug you can use if you want to really feel good about yourself. Exercise. It's this crazy drug we never access. Like we talk about all this other stuff. It's like, it's so simple. Do exercise. You'll feel way better. 
Uh, and uh, I really like that you wrote in with a twinge of that. This guy says, if I had to pick just one thing that I own that's my favorite thing, I'd have to go with my copy of The Lightning Thief by Rick Reardon. It was one of the first stories to really capture my 10-year-old imagination and stick. The, pro the protagonist is so well-written that it's almost impossible not to get invested in this story. So I wasn't in his story. So it wasn't long before I'd finished the rest of that series. I had read some good books before, and I've read a lot of great ones since, but it was the one book that really sold me on the fantasy genre. I absolutely recommend it to you or anyone who's looking for a fairly light, fun read. Great writing. You know, the book for me that really stands out, the Ranger's Apprentice series to me is like this incredible, incredible young adult book series. I've always wanted to see the Ranger's Apprentice adapted into like a animated TV show on Netflix. That would be such, it would be a perfect way to tell that story. A TV show every season is one of the books and uh, make like a, some kind of really cool stylized animation would be perfect for the Ranger's Apprentice. I, I love, is it weird that even now, I don't know if it's because I grew up with them or what, but I, even now, occasionally I'll read a young adult book and they're just great. They really are like the the popcorn fiction of books. Like they're just the, the comfort food for me of like, ah, this is awesome. That and like mystery novels. I love the Jack Reacher series. I love Bosch. Um, I love like thrillers and mystery novels, but yeah. Lightning Thief. I didn't read that whole series, but um, I, I know the book. And Am I crazy? Now that I'm realizing this, I want to look this up. I think Rick Reardon wrote Ranger's Apprentice. Ranger's Apprentice author. Apprentice written by John Flanagan. Okay, no. Who? What did Rick Reardon also write? Rick Reardon book series. Other book series. He wrote, um, okay, no, I'm crazy. It's all Percy Jackson stuff. So maybe I'm, yeah. Did, did he not write, who wrote the Pendragon books? Was that Rick Reardon? Maybe he did. I have no idea. I'm derailing the show. I'm sorry. I feel like though Rick Reardon wrote more than just that book series. I think there's another thing other than the Percy Jackson series, but I, I give up now. I'm not going to find it. Um, the next guy wrote in, he said, gosh, my phone is going crazy. My, by far, my favorite object is my camera. I love playing around at the shutter speed and switching out lenses. You can always find a different composition or change to your settings and change the look of the photo, even if it's the same thing. Yeah, you're right. The thing about a camera that's so fun and compelling is there's like endless possibilities. And it's fun to, there's something I like, when I did HVAC, I really liked that I felt like I never was going to reach an endpoint. That I could always keep getting better at my job. I was never going to reach a ceiling. Constant improvement and constant iteration was so cool. And uh, th it's so fun to have a hobby that you feel like you never ends. And that that's exactly what owning a camera can be like. This guy says, The thing that has brought me the most joy is my car. I can't walk that far because of some health reasons. So my car is what gives me the most freedom in my life. When I drive, all my troubles go away, and it's just me and the road. Dude, I 1,000% understand. You're talking to the guy who lived in his truck and drove around the country. I mean, I really, um, it was so healing for me to be in my truck on the open road. I remember there's this vivid memory I have of a place in Nevada, middle of nowhere, Nevada, some crazy mountains. I have no idea where I was, uh, literally middle of nowhere. There was a sign that said, 
do not pick up hitchhikers because the prison is nearby. That's all I remember. Something, something to that effect. And it was, it was like a dusting of snow, complete isolation, no one around me. Like there was not a car for like a couple hours. And that was such a peaceful, fun drive. I driving into, I, I slept in Burns, Oregon that night in a rest stop in the snow. And uh, yeah, there's nothing quite like driving your car. And the feeling of accelerating in a car, like putting your, your foot to the pedal and just getting going. Oh, man. I, uh, I I don't know if I'll ever own a sports car. It's kind of a, of the priorities of mine financially, it's got to be at the bottom. But if I ever have enough expendable income and have helped enough people, I, I, I would frankly help other people before I would buy myself a sports car. But if that's ever possible, or just renting one would be cool. I want to rent like a Mazda Miata. That That's like the perfect sports car to me where it's fun. It's got high, you know, it's got a really... Short wheelbase, so you can go around corners really quick. It's also pretty quick, and I would rather have a car like the Mazda Miata than a big, heavy Bugatti or Ferrari. Uh, I like the nimble and quickness of like a small, like little convertible Mazda Miata. Oh, that's a that or like a Toyota Supra, or would be like my dream sports car. But man, I totally understand the feeling of um, the joy of the open road. You know, a road trip, especially. Yeah, I'm from Oregon, Washington area. The Northwest, like driving to the beach and the incredible mountains and the green trees and then the ocean landscapes off to the side, like, man, oh man, I love, love, love road trips. Um, Let's jump into football or go back into football, I guess. Uh, I should tell you, I'm recording this before I watch Thursday Night Football. So um, I, I already recorded the beginning. Sorry, sorry. I will have already played on the show the beginning that I'm going to record later about Thursday Night Football, but uh, this is technically being recorded before the segment you would have just heard. We're recording out of order. It's weird for me, too. Also, some, the, the thing in my headphones sounds weird today. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm recording hoping that the audio is good. If the audio is horrible, I I, I apologize. Um, if it's too bad, I won't even use it. So um, I am blindly recording just hoping that what I'm hearing in my headphones isn't entirely accurate because maybe it's me. I'm congested. I'm not sure what's going on, but I've got a bit of fear that maybe what I'm recording today doesn't sound good. And I, uh, you know, probably it's nothing. It's probably exactly like every other day, but you know, just in case I'm a bit neurotic, I'm always a bit afraid. And so <laughs> there we go. Um, let's jump in. I want to look ahead to NFL week five because this weekend I am hoping we can have Better games. Last week in NFL Week 4 was a ton of blowouts, frankly. It was not very compelling. It wasn't that interesting. Um, And I'm just hoping that we can have a really good weekend of football here in NFL Week 5. Other than Sunday Night Football, Sunday Night Football is going to be an incredible game. The other game that's, to me, the number one game I'm looking forward to outside of Sunday Night Football is the Jets at Denver. Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett was the Denver Broncos head coach last year. It went horribly awful and uh new denver head coach sean payton called him out there's some fun drama there nathaniel hackett the revenge game against his former team his former team getting revenge against him i'm not sure emotionally who's more motivated i would imagine an entire denver broncos team that remembers being coached by a a coach who was horrible to them uh i would you know i don't know i really could go either way I'm, i'm curious if the the broncos defense is going to play well or bad against their former head coach both teams are one and three the most exciting thing to me about this football game, other than the coaching drama, although I would even argue, I think Zach Wilson's more intriguing than even the coaching drama. Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, showed progress last week against Kansas City during week four. 
He had one of the best games of his entire career. It looked like he was making progress as a quarterback. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is very cool. This is encouraging. I am hoping that Zach Wilson can build off of last week and have another good game. The Denver Broncos defense, by the way, god awful. I mean, they made Justin Fields and the Bears offense look fantastic during week four. Um, So I'm really hopeful that Zach Wilson can have a good game and uh, do well. And uh, we shall See, by far the biggest game of NFL Week 5 is the Dallas Cowboys on the road at the 49ers. you got two great defenses. You've got two teams that can both get after opposing quarterbacks really well with an incredible front seven. The 49ers are 4-0. The Cowboys are 3-1. I wonder if Brock Purdy might be better straight up than Dak Prescott. I kind of think he is. You know, Brock Purdy's played a lot fewer games than Dak Prescott. But he's never had a truly awful game. Maybe it's too early to make a claim like that. But Brock Purdy is so consistent. And like I said, he may not have a home run incredible game every week, but he just hasn't had the horrible, awful football game. I've seen Dak Prescott have some really, really bad games in the NFL during my time watching. Brock Purdy is really consistent, and I'm excited to watch him get tested by a really good Dallas Cowboys defense. Two great defenses. You've got two head coaches calling plays, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McCarthy on offense. Two quarterbacks with something to prove. I believe this is going to be an incredible football game. And for sure, the headlining story on Monday's show between uh, on Monday's show is going to be this game between the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Jaguars play Buffalo in London. Jaguars, Bills, the Jaguars are 2-2, two and two and winning would be massive for them. They need a win. Going to 3-2, and two, like I said, I had them going 8-9 and nine this year and barely winning their division, so I don't have high hopes for the Jaguars, so I'm totally honest. But um, for me, Buffalo has a shot at a Super Bowl this year. One of the last years they're going to have a shot with the current iteration of players they have in Buffalo. This is the kind of game a great team wins. It's tough. You're on the, It's not on the road, but you're in London, so you're out of your comfort zone. Um, and it reminds me of Philly beating Washington last weekend in overtime. A great team will find a way even when there's a lesser opponent challenging you. And to me, the Jaguars are a lesser opponent. They've had a slow start. I want to see Buffalo win here and start the year one and four, uh, start the year four and one. But uh, a lot of pressure. I think the pressure is on Buffalo here. I'm curious if the Jaguars can hang with the Bills. Houston plays at Atlanta this weekend. And uh, last weekend, rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick for Houston, outshined second-year quarterback Kenny Pickett, kind of put him to shame, frankly, about having a way better game. And you're like, this guy's in his fourth-ever NFL start. This other quarterback, Kenny Pickett, has been in the league for an entire year longer, and he's struggling? Ooh. And uh, I think a similar thing could happen this weekend, only this time it will be Atlanta's quarterback, Desmond Ritter, who is victim to uh, the C.J. Stroud comparison. C.J. Stroud has been playing really, really well. And I think the focus will be on Desmond Ritter not playing well enough this weekend. I worry that Atlanta Falcons fans are going to be in bad shape. If you lose to Houston and your quarterback looks bad and gets outshined by a rookie, it's going to be a long, long day in Atlanta. The Panthers play at Detroit. The Lions are 3-1. and Carolina is 0-4. Carolina is likely going to start the year 0-6. They play at Detroit this week. They play at Miami next week. To me, the Lions are a better all-around team. It's not even close. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Panthers rookie quarterback, number one overall pick Bryce Young, has had a slow start to the year. And I am very, very curious to see how he does on the road against a really good Detroit team. The Giants play at Miami. Giants-Dolphins is a total mismatch. Uh, I would be shocked if Miami did not win easily. I got Miami beating the Giants by uh, a wide margin this weekend. The Titans play on the road at Indy. This is a fun AFC South matchup. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. The Titans' defense is top five in run yards allowed. So the Colts are getting their running back, Jonathan Taylor, back. They've got another good running back, Zach Moss. The Titans' defense is good at slowing down the run. It's going to be very interesting. I cannot wait to watch Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson in this football game. The dude is incredible. And uh, interesting game. AFC South, both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Titans and in Indy, underrated game during NFL Week 5. The Saints play the Patriots, which these two names remind me too much of the Patron Saints. I don't really love that. Uh, but the game is in New England. I am worried for the Patriots. Their quarterback, Mac Jones, is playing up against a really tough Saints defense this weekend. That makes me uncomfortable. However, we do have two defensive-led football teams. So you could argue, hey, Mac Jones against the Saints defense is scary. But what about Derek Carr against Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense? Derek Carr is 1-3 all-time against the Patriots. And one of those wins was the, the only win against New England was last year when the Raiders got crazy lucky off of a failed lateral. So I would argue Derek Carr has never played well enough himself to beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He got lucky in one of those in, in his only win against them. Um, you know, this feels like a defensive game that is going to come down to which quarterback makes the fewest mistakes. The Ravens play at Pittsburgh. And a win here would be great for Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens are 3-1 and one right now. Winning would make them 4-1 and one and give them a solid lead in the AFC South. I have no confidence in the Steelers' offense. Quite frankly, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this football game, if they're going to win, the Steelers have to have their defense go crazy and T.J. Watt, their best player on defense, arguably the best player in the NFL on defense, T.J. Watt has to have an incredible game. And that's a tough ask for a defense playing up against a really good quarterback, Lamar Jackson. The Eagles play the Rams. Um, talk about a tough ask. It's a tough ask for the Rams to try to hang around with Philly. Uh, the Rams have had a really good year. They are 2-2, two and two, but they're young. They're growing. Unfortunately for them, Philadelphia, the Eagles are one of the, if not the best team in the NFL. Them and... Uh, the 49ers are the only two 4-0 teams in the NFL. I am curious how well the Rams can compete, if they can hang around, if they can compete with a really good Philadelphia Eagles team here during Week 5. The Bengals play at Arizona. Both teams are 1-3. Honestly, Bengals-Arizona feels like a really good football game. Uh, the Bengals are down bad. The Cardinals are 1-3, but they're way better than I expected them to be. I love their quarterback, Josh Dobbs. The Cardinals quarterback is kind of an average quarterback talent, but he's a really cool guy who's really interesting and awesome. Like, I read a story that, I don't want to misquote it. He was, he was working for NASA, and you're like, I think Josh Dobbs might be a better rocket scientist than a quarterback, and he's an NFL quarterback. He's one of 32. Like, that's, Josh Dobbs is fascinating. Um, so... Maybe an interesting game here between Cincinnati on the road at Arizona. Uh, Kansas City plays at Minnesota. 
The Vikings are one and three. I find it hard to imagine the Vikings beating Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City in this football game, but it is likely the Vikings are going to make it kind of fun. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, I believe. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, they score a lot of points. They just don't win, <laughs> you know? Um, I think what's going to happen is Minnesota's going to find a way to win. Sorry, Minnesota's going to find a way to lose because of, like, some wacky play at the end. They'll lose by a field goal. But if you're watching this game, it's always a joy to watch Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I do think that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense is highly capable of scoring. It could be a fun shootout uh, or at least a fun, high-scoring, interesting game that's going to come down to Kansas City winning at the end because of some goofy, unfortunate play for Minnesota. On Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers, they're not the Plackers, the Green Bay Packers play at the Las Vegas Raiders. The game is in Vegas. Uh, Kind of an odd matchup to highlight on Monday Night Football, although I guess the reason why is there's two really big brands, which uh, I I guess I understand that. Two big fan bases, the Raiders and the Packers, colliding. I expect Jordan Love and the Packers to win. Green Bay is 2-2. The Raiders are 1-3. I... I'm excited, though. Monday Night Football, I love watching Jordan Love. It's kind of a fun opportunity to highlight him. Jimmy Garoppolo is handsome. He's always not terrible to look at. So, uh, (laughs) you know, it'll be interesting. Monday night, again, I expect the Packers to win on Monday Night Football. I'm interested. You know, Christian Watson made his first game back, played in his first game back last week, didn't have a huge impact. I wonder if Christian Watson can have a much bigger impact in Week 5 in a second game this year against the Raiders. Uh, It's worth noting Four teams this week during the NFL Week 5 have a bye week. So Cleveland will not play. The LA Chargers will not play. Seattle and Tampa will also not play. Those four teams are all on a bye this weekend. Let's talk about college football Week 6. The Red River rivalry is going to happen this weekend. So number 12, Oklahoma's 5-0. They're going to be on the road at number 3, Texas, who is also 5-0. That's going to be a really fun, exciting game. Uh, Quinn Ewers, baby. Quinn Ewers, a Texas quarterback, is so much fun to watch. I love it. Number 23, LSU plays at number 21, Missouri. Missouri's 5-0. LSU is 3-2. LSU has to win this football game. LSU and Brian Kelly cannot afford to start the year 3-3. That would be an embarrassment. So I think if you're going to watch a football game this weekend, drama and tension. Missouri trying to stay undefeated. LSU trying to avoid a catastrophic start at three and three really entertaining game I think here between LSU and Missouri number 13 Washington State plays at UCLA Washington State's 4-0 and uh, if you want something fun to watch go enjoy watching Washington State quarterback Cam Ward he is incredible I don't know what to make of this game number 20 Kentucky they're 5-0 and they play on the road at Georgia who's also 5-0 and you know, Georgia has been a bit vulnerable this year. They've had a couple games that were closer than I thought they should have been. I wonder, Kentucky's 5-0. and They just dominated Florida, ran for like 300 yards. Uh, I wonder if Kentucky can challenge and compete with Georgia. Um, but uh, it's, it's hard to believe Georgia's going to lose. But certainly, Kentucky 5-0. and ah, You know, they, I don't know if they have a shot, but it's interesting to me. It's like worth checking the scoreboard throughout the day going, oh, hey. It's a fourth quarter. Kentucky's still in it. I might turn it on. That's the kind of game I think it might be. Uh, Louisville is a number 25 ranked team in the country. They are 5-0. and They host number 10 Notre Dame. So Notre Dame 5-1. and Their only loss was by a narrow margin. Final play of the game to Ohio State. Uh, they barely beat Duke last week. Notre Dame could play in another barn burner here at Louisville. 
uh, this weekend. And then number 11, Alabama, plays at Texas A&M. Kyle Field, both teams are 4-1. and one, And I know Texas A&M fans are really, really hyped up for this game. I get messages from them. We'll see. Alabama on the road at Texas A&M, number 11 ranked Alabama. Oh, it's going to be a, an interesting game. I wonder if A&M can take down the rolling tide. All right, um, I want to put something on screen. Miami Heat star Jimmy Butler, player I love, by the way, kind of guy I'd want to be teammates with, fun, fights really hard, aggressive, great defender. Um, during the Miami Heat media day, Jimmy Butler did something awesome. He went with uh, what is called, quote, an emo look. He straightened his hair, piercings. I love it. It's fun. He had this alternate look. Um it reminds me, frankly, of my dudes at Colorado School of the Mines doing something goofy on Picture Day. I want this to become a trend. I really want to see athletes throughout the sports world, when it's your turn for Picture Day, dress goofy, do something fun, do something edgy, do something silly. It adds personality, adds excitement, it adds entertainment. It makes sports more fun. And so I would love to see this happen throughout sports. Just everywhere, I want to see people wearing goofy, fun stuff during their Picture Day for their team media day. That would be incredible. All right, I want to briefly comment on something. Um, the 49ers have a loaded roster. They're 4-0. They've got a ton of great players on offense. They've got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. And a lot of people think less of 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy because of the help and talent he has around him. And uh, regardless of what you think of his skill level, I just want to say briefly, how can you not like Brock Purdy, right? Like, no matter whether you think he's a, I don't even know how you would measure him as a quarterback. He's, he's really good. He wins games. He's doing awesome. Um, he's not Patrick Mahomes. That's okay. To me, what I like about Brock Purdy, he's a little guy that made it. He's an underdog. How can you not appreciate that? You know, I just think that, I don't, I, I don't know that there are people that hate Brock Purdy, but I just want to say, in case it's unclear, this guy's awesome. He was the last pick of the seventh round. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Most people drafted with that title no longer even in the NFL. And I just want to say, I think that Brock Purdy is a cool story of a guy who made it. I hope he gets a big contract and is set for life. He's not set for life right now. He's making $900,000 a year, which is awesome. But pennies for a quarterback, by the way, who has to live in San Francisco, an incredibly expensive city. They take a ton of money tax-wise from you. Um, Brock Purdy's not swimming in money. I want to see him get paid. Like, if he could make... $30 million in his career and be set for life. That would make me so happy because Brock Purdy playing at a really high level came out of nowhere, really, really um, exceeded expectations. I like Brock. I'm rooting for him. And I want to see the guy, I wouldn't give him $100 million, but I would love to see him make like, man, is it horrible? I'd love to see him make like, I, again, I'm, I'm living in the past. Him getting paid like $18 million a year would be such a great deal for everyone. Um, he's probably going to try to make more than that. But if I'm the 49ers, like, $18 million a year for Brock Purdy to do exactly what he does, be Mr. Consistency, would be good for everybody. He gets great teammates to play with. They can pay him less money so they can pay other people around him. And he gets set for life. You make $18 million a year for five years, you never need to worry about money. You make $18 million a year once, you never need to worry about money ever again. But you do that for five years, you play at a high level, you get a bunch of endorsement, endorsements. Like That's the kind of money I want to see Brock Purdy make, is make enough money that he never needs to worry about money ever again. Right now, as roommates, drives a Toyota Sequoia, um, he's on a rookie seventh round pick salary, not making a lot in a really expensive city, San Francisco, like ungodly expensive. 
Um, you know, I think that's underrated about Brock Purdy. I want to see the guy get set for life. I think he's already done enough to like, he should get paid handsomely for what he's done. Again, not a hundred million, nothing crazy, but $18 million a year, totally deserving right now for Brock Purdy. If he wins a Super Bowl, that number's going to go up. I would, I would resign him as soon as you can, honestly, uh, because the more success Brock has, that number keeps going higher and higher for the 49ers. All right, uh, we're going to end the show today with questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally pays my rent, but a dollar a month gets you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, my only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. Again, I look at every question. Don't guarantee to read it. Although I read a really handsome amount of them. I read a lot of these questions. I love doing it. Um, Jay writes in first. Jay says, hello, Zach. Longtime listener, first time Patreon supporter and question asker. My question is, if you were an NFL general manager with the first overall pick and needed a quarterback, would you take a more NFL-ready prospect, Peyton Manning, Josh Rosen, or a raw one with more potential, Josh Allen or Jamarcus Russell? Personally, I would take the more NFL-ready quarterback. Would love to hear your thoughts. Still love the show. I listen to it at work every day. Keep making great content. Thank you, Jay. I love you, man. That's awesome. Um, I think you're missing the human element of this, right? Um, I, I mean, I would always lean towards a guy with more talent and more potential. I've seen what happened with Justin Herbert, with Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. Players who can make big plays, I think, are players I would want on my football team. Um, But, you know, remember also Josh Rosen in 2018, that draft class, Josh Rosen was viewed as a, quote, most NFL-ready quarterback. How did that work out? Josh Rosen did nothing. Um, So... I think really, like I said, I think you're missing the human element. You got to get in the room and talk to him. I can't really even answer this question because I, I got to get in the room and talk to the guy, talk to the coaches, talk to people who know him, observe him a little bit in, in, in a situation, in a setting with other guys. Like, what is his work ethic like? What is his mentality like? Because potential and talent with work ethic becomes Josh Allen, but potential and talent without work ethic becomes Jamarcus Russell, a massive bust. Like, you really just have to evaluate who the person is on top of their potential. So um, I don't feel like I can properly answer your question, Jay, but I, I lean towards Anthony Richardson, right, is so incredibly capable, and I would have drafted him in a heartbeat. Miguel writes in, Miguel says, Empire Strikes Zach. I have been listening for a while now. Love the show. Ever have something go wrong and the timing of it made it worse? When I was in middle school, a kid wore a Michael Vick jersey to school the day after the dog fighting incident. The kid was unaware about it, but everyone at school still booed him. That is absolutely brutal. Um, I don't have a response. I just, it's, fun. Is it, can I say it's funny? That's a funny, horrifying story. It's a funny story of bad luck where I just feel bad for that kid, man. Imagine, imagine wearing a Michael Vick jersey the day after, and you're an unaware little kid, you're just happy. You wear a Michael Vick jersey on the day after the dog fighting stuff comes out. Oh boy. Golden Leo writes in, it's a long one, a helpful one, though, for some of these people out there. Golden Leo says, Ayo, Zacaroni and Cheese. Not a question, but I just saw the episode a few days ago and wanted to say thank you so much for answering my last question. I really appreciate the feedback and totally feel you on the struggle of with U.S. healthcare. Medication helped me a lot, but I was only able to get it because my university offers free health services. 
I get what you mean on autism having a much harder stigma, but I think ADHD still has a stigma, though it's usually directed at things like claiming it's overdiagnosed or that people are just, quote, lazy. I feel, I just feel that a lot of mental health things have a stigma that makes it harder for people to get help. At least in my experience, people won't get help or get help uh, for their children because they don't want to admit that they may have some form of neurodivergence. And having those things untreated can lead to pretty bad depression and anxiety, which for me was a personal personal issue as I was receiving treatment for depression and anxiety and nothing really worked until I got help for ADHD since that was the root cause. I appreciate your input in the conversation and hope things treat you well going forward with gratitude and thanks, Leo. Um, I really struggle with all the symptoms of ADHD. I've had this debate long and back and forth. I talked to my friend Audrey about it today, like, hey, should I get help? Should I not? I was like, look, I, I use jazz cabbage when I'm depressed and I go for lots of walks. I use ex exercise. I'm also pretty productive. Like, I feel like I never get enough done. But the reality is when I talk to my friends, I'm like, yeah, I did this today, this today, this today. They're like, you're the most productive person I've ever met in my life. So I feel like I'm not productive enough, but I think it's a me problem. I think the reality is I'm a highly functioning uh, ADHD sufferer. <laughs> um, but I've learned my body, right? I've learned how to make the most with what I have going on in my head. And so... Um, yeah, I just wanted to read it out there for anyone who needs encouragement. If they're struggling with anything, uh, you know, go get help. And if you have healthcare, uh, go talk to a doctor if you're feeling depressed, uh, and, and make sure you get diagnosed with the right thing. If you've got depression and anxiety, it might be more going on. You might have ADHD undiagnosed and untreated. Troy writes in, Troy says, Hey Zach, this isn't really a sports write-in, but listening to episode 587, uh, and you answering non-football questions really got me thinking about Zach Schaumler talking, your other podcast. Are you going to bring that back at some point? Totally understandable if you don't, because I know you're already recording like five episodes a week for Strong Opinion Sports. Um, I would like to, I think. I think. I'm not sure. I'd like to do more Zach Schaumler talking. Kind of, I think. I'm so torn. Part of me wants to interview people about healthcare and housing and go full political. Part of me knows I should stay away from that. But I'm, I also like, I have this desire to help solve the problems of the world like um and i think you you do that by asking tough questions and interviewing people um i'm slowly uploading or re-uploading the old episodes remember i had del i deleted every single zach schaumler talking episode we did like 41 i deleted all of them when i was going to join the air force i was right on the edge of joining the air force i ended up not doing it but i knew that they were going to look at me heavily and i was like i've got illegal like stories of me doing illegal stuff there i can't have that um be seen by the air force and I worry Zach Schaumler talking hurts me, to be totally honest. I mean, like, if I ever, I want to apply for Survivor. Will they not bring me on Survivor because there's a bunch of raunchy stories of me out there uh, on Zach Schaumler talking? Quite possibly. That's sad. I'd, lo I'd love to be on a, an island trying to win a million dollars. Also, I've learned that when I open up about my life, people near me get bothered and attacked. And I don't like that. I have no problem if you attack me or send me messages or hate mail. I don't like it when people in my life, uh, friend or foe, really. I just, if you're, if uh, people that I know in real life, I don't want to get bothered by, uh, the things I say. So, um, I, I want to be more than the sports guy someday. I'm not sure what that looks like yet. I'd love to make video game content. I'd love to make a movie podcast. I'd love to travel and make content about traveling. I, you know, I, I have all these ideas out there right now. I'm working seven days a week making five to six episodes a week for Strong Opinion Sports. I am all in on Strong Opinion Sports. It's my main income. I got to get 
a lot of money. I got to get in a good spot financially. Uh, right now, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, doing the best I can. And so that is why I am full blitz, all in on strong opinion sports, unwavering in my focus. And uh, tentatively, Troy, maybe someday. Although, again, like I said, I want to apply for Survivor. And part of me is like, should I just remove Zach Schaumler talking from public image so that they don't I, – I, if, I, if I disappear for a month, it's because I applied to Survivor and got on. If I'm like, hey, I'm going on a TV show, I'll be gone for a month, just know it's because I got on to Survivor. But I don't think it's going to happen because I, I worry they're going to see me and go, I don't know. That guy's kind of sketchy. Frankly, I think I'd be a great mouthpiece uh, for Survivor and an ambassador to their brand. But, you know, people are stuffy and scared. Um, Lucas writes in. Lucas says, Sub Zach. Your Cam Ward rant inspired this comment. I had a mini flashback to when you would evaluate draft prospects. I really enjoyed those as someone who scouts the NFL draft as a hobby and have missed those past couple years. Are those ever coming back? We'd love to hear your takes on guys like Cam Ward, Williams, May, Sanders, Ewers, whatever. Um, College film for me right now has been hard to get. I had a contact, a coach in college who was providing film for me. He literally died. And I, I loved him. He was uh, very kind to me and uh, behind the scenes. And uh, I don't have a great way to access film right now in college. College film was different than NFL film. It's harder to come by. I've also, if you notice, film has been a struggle for me in general. So I, I think right now my focus is getting back to doing NFL film and, um, you know, college maybe maybe someday. I, I would love that. But um, I also, I hate using the TV copy for those kind of videos. So I, I don't want to use like ESPN footage. To evaluate a quarterback so I, I just uh, maybe if I, like if I ever get help I can hire someone or join a network with some access like yeah if I can get access to college film 1000% I'd love doing that but right now I'm not sure how to figure it out Justin writes in Justin says hello Zatak on Titan first off I want to say love you man appreciate you and your dedication and passion you bring with your content my question relates to the game between Alabama and Texas A&M on October 7th I'm a big Aggies fan, and every year I am always excited to watch us try and upset Bama. I want to know what you think the chances are for A&M to win, especially with Alabama struggling this year. Also, it feels good to finally be a part of the Patreon after four or five years watching you. Thanks, Zach, and keep doing your thing. Um, The big X factor in this football game between Alabama and Texas A&M is Jalen Milrow, the Alabama quarterback. Jalen Milrow has a beautiful deep ball. He is a incredible runner and he really struggles at reading coverages he, he's I, I would be in zone coverage all the time because he struggles to identify where defenders are in zone coverage um if you play man coverage he just understands got to find my best matchup and throw a go ball basically so i would play a lot of zone coverage i would be moving p- people around alabama has looked vulnerable at times this year partially because of their quarterback situation so a&m has a shot to win I am very fascinated how Jalen Milrow plays the Alabama quarterback this weekend. Jacob writes in, fun one. He says, hello, Zach's eyeballs and truth of justice. Jacob here with a question. If you could pick any celebrity or iconic person to play football and be good at it, who would you choose? I would choose the Undertaker in his prime at either linebacker or tight end. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be to see him run full steam at you and truck you. Thank you for being a rational football podcaster. Stay cool and go Packers. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, Jacob, you didn't ask me to be realistic. You did not ask me. You didn't give me any parameters. So I'm going to have fun with this. Uh, Can you imagine Pete Davidson in the NFL? Pete Davidson would be hilarious. I think it'd be so fun. 
if scrawny little Pete Davidson was good at football, like he's an actor, he's funny, he's getting all the ladies. Oh, and he can play in the NFL. Like, what, what would he play? I have no idea. Kicker, punter, receiver. What if? What if Pete Davidson was a lockdown NFL corner? Like he was, you know, the the Deion Sanders of his era. That would be hilarious. I just, man, uh, that's the guy I would most enjoy watching be really good at football for no reason. Like you're like Pete Davidson can play football. What in the world? He's like a left tackle. You're like, that that dude plays left tackle? He's like, the best guy in the league. We have no idea. So um, <laughs> in all seriousness, like, seriousness, someone who like might actually be good, um, like The Rock. I have no idea. The Rock even tried to play football. I have no idea, man. I don't know. I, I just think the idea of Pete Davidson playing in the NFL is uh, <laughs> <I> gotta... <laughs> it's a hilarious one, and uh, I love that thought. Donovan writes in. Donovan says, what's going on, Zach? My name is Donovan, and I'm a Broncos fan. We did it! We won the toilet bowl. That being said, do you think we're going to go 14-3 and and ride all the way to the Super Bowl? Okay, I feel the copium starting to wear off now. Yeah, they're not winning a Super Bowl. Um, This upcoming week, Denver plays the Jets. Many people remember the words Sean Payton said about their offensive coordinator, he who shall not be named Nathaniel Hackett, you mean. Um, We made every quarterback who's played against us look good. Zach Wilson looked good against the Chiefs last week. I'm expecting your fellow Zach. Zach, stay together. Let's go. I'm expecting your fellow Zach to throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns. How do you think he's going to look against our putrid defense? And what do you think our offense will be able to do to keep up? It's a really great game, man. You got a good Jets defense against Sean Payton's offense and Russell Wilson. And I put Zach Wilson as my starting quarterback on fantasy football this week. Now, before you freak out. It's a big league. There's 16 players. My options at quarterback were Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, or Zach Wilson. I made a fun gamble where I think, you know, my quarterback's got a bye week. I think Zach Wilson could have a really good game against a bad Broncos defense and a struggling team with a bit of a moment where you got an offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who's eager to beat his former team. So I I think Zach Wilson could play very well. I put my money where my mouth is, and I made him my starting quarterback in fantasy this week. John writes in. John says, hey, Zach. The Cowboys and 49ers play on Sunday night, and I heard the local radio hosts in Dallas say that the Cowboys defense should just try to limit big plays and cover deep to prevent big plays. It's a tough call, but I think that the defense should force the 49ers to stretch the field and limit the number of easy touches to their dynamic playmakers with the added benefit of putting more people in the box to slow down their run game. How do you think these two defenses should plan against the opposing team? Um, I don't... You really those those radio hosts really over under you know oversimplified it. Uh, if it was that easy, if you could limit easy completions, I would. And if I could pick one, uh, I would make the 49ers beat you over the top. I mean, the longer Brock Purdy has the ball in his hands, the more likely it is that the 49ers defensive line is going to get pressure and sack him. Um, I would take away short completions, man. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, all of them. A five yard completion to any one of those guys can easily become a 40, 50 yard game with a broken tackle. So I would want to eliminate, I'd play a lot of press man coverage. I would make it very uncomfortable at the line of scrimmage for these guys. And uh, I would say, beat us over the top. We are not going to allow you anything underneath because uh, that is how the 49ers obliterate you. Unfortunately, that's easier said than done. You run a lot, of, the 49ers are creative, a lot of run, little shallow crossers, a lot of rub routes, a lot of concepts where people are moving across the field. And uh, it's uh, just, I don't know how you stop the 49ers offense, quite frankly, but... Um, I definitely wouldn't play 
really soft cover four uh, and, and just allowing them a bunch of completions underneath, that is the absolute worst idea you could possibly have. No, you want to force the 49ers to throw vertically, make Brock Purdy beat you over the top and make him hold on to the ball longer so that your defensive line can get pressure. 1,000%, those radio hosts are... I'm kind of disgusted. They don't know football. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what... That, that feels really mean-spirited. I don't know what I mean that. I hate when I... I hate when other people tell me I don't know football, so I don't want to be that guy doing that to other people, but uh, pff, man, I, I can't even imagine that saying that. Um, last question of the day. Jasper writes in. Jasper says, CJ Stroud question for after 10-2. Bro, why so little coverage on CJ Stroud? I didn't know how good he was until I saw the videos on Brett Coleman and the QB school. Can you explain a little here? I know they said he's like already playing at the prime level of Drew Brees, and I watched some of those plays and thought to my eyes, holy cow. He processed all that in the blink of an eye. Is he just Stroud just faster at processing things than most quarterbacks in the NFL, or is it just that I'm a normal dude off the street that's never played pro sports, uh, never played pro-level sports? Uh, first of all, I'm just one man. I can't cover everything all the time. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I'm trying to keep up, doing my best. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of things I want to get to. CJ Stroud looks incredible. It sounds like those guys covered it really well. Um, but what I will say, I, I try to take my time. The, the high-level evaluation of a rookie quarterback, can we wait till they play a couple games? I, um, do you remember when Graham Mertz was at Wisconsin? Graham Mertz, in his first-ever game for Wisconsin, had this incredible game. Like, one incomplete pass, like, was unbelievable. And a lot of people, uh, high-level analysts, said, he's going to be an incredible quarterback. He's amazing. I was like, let's wait and see. Graham Mertz is at Florida now. Didn't work out at Wisconsin. He's not playing great. Uh, he didn't turn out to be a great quarterback. I, I don't rush to high-level judgment of a player, but uh, I think it's a, when a player is playing well, that's easier to acknowledge and recognize early than it is when they're playing bad. And so CJ Stroud's playing great, um, and I, I'll cover it at some point. I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I'm kind of falling apart. Literally just, just doing everything I possibly can to make this show happen every day and uh, doing the best I possibly can. I love you guys. I appreciate you. That's all I have for today. Hope you have a great day. Um, there should be, you'll hear this Friday morning, there should be one more episode this week. I'm excited for it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to really push my ability as a content creator. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Hopefully I can get it out in a timely fashion on Saturday. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.